Psychology Podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I wish to continue on our journey around eating habits and I want to speak more specifically about our habits around intermittent fasting today. This new trend since quite a few years that they called intermittent fasting and that has also been now called time-restricted eating and time-restricted feeding window, etc. My apologies for interrupting the episode for just one minute. I want to let you know that even though the enrollment is now closed for Nourish, Balance, Thrive for this round, it is always open for the coming ones. So you can be on the wait list by simply sending me an email or contacting me on Instagram. You find all the details in the show notes of this episode you can always at any time also get in touch with me for questions and more so for working with me privately one-on-one sessions whether this is on a therapeutic level from the clinical psychology perspective or from the ayurvedic perspective as well now back to the episode i want to speak about that And more specifically, let's say, in relationship to our compensatory strategies. If you've listened to me before, there's even an episode dedicated to compensatory strategies. But if you haven't, very shortly we can define that by the habits that we've developed in order to, well, compensate for what we believe are our deficiencies, such as incapacity to stay awake, headaches, as well as how to wind down, right? So we could, in a very narrow down perception, think of a few very typical habits that most of us probably have in to a certain degree and that would be to wake ourselves up with caffeine to wind ourselves down with alcohol and to boost ourselves or to make ourselves feel a little bit better increase our dopamine levels with refined sugar. Now, when it comes to fasting and intermittent fasting, which is different to just fasting, because it is 
something that we can maintain daily throughout our whole life. Whereas often when we speak of fasting in itself is something that's done periodically. So let's say for instance that there would be taking a week where we fast or as we can see in actually most spiritual practices, religious practices, there's a period of fasting that is done throughout the year at a specific time in between different events. So this idea of the intermittent fasting is therefore something that is a lifestyle choice more than a moment of a fast where we kind of just like check out from our daily habits and we do this instead. And of course it has been shown that doing something regularly and consecutively is beneficial for our health as opposed to doing something just in a period. And this is of course the same story around um, dieting, for instance, right? How we yo-yo when we try a diet, which would be like to cut out a piece of our life and do that differently, change ourselves and then go back into old habits again and be surprised that we go back to how we feel and look. So naturally, the intermittent fasting habit activity is a lifestyle choice. Where this becomes interesting, and that's where I also want to connect with what I've spoken about a couple of weeks ago when I started speaking about our eating habits, and even two weeks ago when I spoke about our need of control, is that we as human beings, we take something, a tool, and then it becomes what we make of it, right? I always have said that about social media, for instance. It's a tool and it becomes what we make of it. And it's the same thing with any other tool. And so there is, therefore, with fasting and this intermittent fasting. I would say that a lot of things like this are more than being good or bad or beneficial for us or not. Symptoms of an overall personality disorder in society. So let's not misunderstand the fact that even though it feels as if intermittent fasting is the latest trend. That's been for a few years now, of course, but still. There is nothing new in what it is saying. Ayurveda has been saying, well, for at least the past 2,500 years, I suppose, something like that, to do intermittent fasting. Why, you ask? Because intermittent fasting is nothing but eating according to the circadian rhythm, which means that human beings, being diurnal animals, not nocturnal, benefit from living according to that, so that when the day is here, when the sun is up, we are active, our bodies are active, we eat. And when the sun is gone at night, we are passive and the body restores itself. That is really what the dinacharya of the Ayurvedic lifestyle is all about. And that is exactly what this time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting is all about. It has been shown that we can use this as a way to become healthier than we were, 
So for instance, to improve our digestive capacity, improve our metabolic rate, and to lose weight, increase longevity, improve sleep, growth hormones, and so on. There's a long list of benefits to intermittent fasting. There's a long list of benefits to living according to the Ayurvedic principles of Dinacharya. But that rule would have us more or less, and the most beneficial, to eat in between 12-hour window and not eat in between a 12-hour window. Research has shown that this would be the most beneficial, and research has even shown that there's not that much of a difference in weight loss, for instance, which is why it's often used, right? When you eat, when you have a, let's say, a, a wider window, a larger window. So there's been studies that prove apparently then that whether you have an eating window of 12 hours or of 10 hours, for instance, then in terms of weight loss, if we're talking about that, the difference is quasi zero. It has also been shown that if you have, let's say, a strict <laughs> calorie uh, count kind of diet or not, in some times there was a difference in weight loss and in some actually cases there were not. Okay. There were actually quite a few different kinds of studies that were done where the results would show that it's not as easy as calories in, calories out, restrict or not restrict, fat, not fat. What actually was shown more <laughs> was the fact that having a window where you eat and one where you don't and eating a healthy diet while maintaining physical activity in the day as well, that was the key. So it was this component of variety in the habits to have that was actually beneficial and gave results. What does that mean? Simply restricting oneself to eat one thing or simply restricting oneself to excessive exercise doesn't matter when I eat or what I eat etc or even reducing your eating window down to two hours per day which some people do they call this OMAD one meal a day was not beneficial either so I wanted to really keep that in mind when we continue because if that is true then everyone could just focus on having a very balanced way of living in terms of when they eat what they eat 
and what else they do outside of eating. But when we begin to look into a lot of these um, advice that are being given, and a lot of so apparently experts, right, in the in the fields, and what they're promoting, it's far more extreme. So there's the intermittent fasting, there's the two meals a day, three meals a day, or one meal a day. There's the keto, ketogenic diet. There's the low carb, of course, which is also keto, I guess. There's um, low fat or high fat, the carnivore, you know, all these different ones that very often are either different combinations as well with the time-restricted feeding. Autophagy, you know, put yourself into this like extreme fasted state and then you will be regenerating your cells and basically reverse aging. Well, there's all these things. But then if we would try to do this, we begin to notice that many of these strategies that are really impossible to maintain. So the, the professors who were working on the whole time-restricted eating in itself and fasting and the benefits of fasting, one of the main reasons they um, started with this idea of the intermittent fasting was because reducing calorie intake is almost impossible for humans to do in a prolonged way, so as a lifestyle choice. And so these different kinds of quite extreme practices, where you reduce so much that you hardly ever eat, are very difficult to maintain. So firstly, we could say that if it's difficult to maintain, it's probably not going to be as beneficial because at some point this will enhance the binging, the yo-yo effect of things where you just break down, you can't do it anymore and then you start eating again and you might even binge and then just like addictions are, that might even enhance the trigger that makes us indulge in an addiction anyway. There's an episode on addiction where I speak about that or habit formation. You can go and listen to that if you are not really following what I'm saying about increasing the reward value, which will therefore reinforce actually an addiction to something, a habit. But other than the fact that it is very difficult to maintain and therefore make it hard to make into a lifestyle, it also means that those who do maintain it, they are developing strategies to compensate for this difficulty. Compensatory strategies. One of them, which is probably the most common, I guess, is the simple fact of increasing your caffeine intake from maybe zero to some or from a little bit, maybe a cup a day, to more. Because as we know, maybe those of us who drink coffee, it cuts the hunger feeling. Just look at the world of models and originally probably more from the ballerina kind of classical um, dance world 
where if you're hungry, basically you're told to go and have a coffee and a cigarette. <laughs> and then that way you won't be hungry anymore. These compensatory strategies that we tend to take on, which can be then therefore the caffeine intake, for instance, it can also be other kinds of like appetite cutting um, things. Maybe you are in the age of someone who would remember back in the days when they would do diet pills and then they realized that these diet pills actually made people high because they actually had some kind of component in them I'm, I'm not sure which one but that was basically like um, MDMA similar so it's trying to alter a state right we're trying to alter a state which means that we are suppressing the natural urge existing in the body and if you've listened to my episode on suppressing our natural urges you know that then from my perspective that is probably not a great idea because it means that we are creating imbalance in the body it's the first kind of sign of imbalance where we suppress suppress our urges so there's an accumulation of the doshas but more than speaking of that, because that's going to be also spoken about next week in the Ayurveda episode, why would we want to do these things? We want to do them because we are convinced that it's going to make us feel better, that it's going to bring us more freedom. Remember that idea that everything we do, anything we do actually, we do it to make ourselves feel better. We do it to step one step further towards freedom. Freedom. We do it because we are convinced that it's going to do us good. So if we are manipulating the way we behave around food, it is because we are convinced that we need to do so in order to feel more free. Free in our bodies, free in our minds, whatever that might be. And that brings me on to another theme, which has increased enormously over the past years I don't need to say it but with social media very much so it's a new disorder that we've chosen to call orthorexia nervosa so in the family of anorexia and orthorexia which is then very recent that's why many people might not have heard about it too much. Let's not say recent, let's say discovered recently, is an extreme, let's say, preoccupation with eating healthy. And I must say that I got a bit of a surprise when I looked into some of the early signs, let's say, or signs of, this disorder because not only can you recognize it in a lot of people but it's absolutely promoted so some of the signs are not wanting to eat outside of the home the food that you prepared yourself or spending a lot of time planning meals and thinking about food reducing the food intake and also feeling very disturbed and stressed around 
the disruption of personal eating habits. So when you begin to look into a lot of the advice that are being given around intermittent fasting, the experts, so to say, and what they promote, I kind of get this feeling that they're riding on the wave of orthorexia, orthorexia. Don't get me wrong. No one, I would say, is doing this consciously or, you know, as a way to use the system, use the consumer to make them worse. I think that once again, like everything else, there is a tool that is being used and it can be used in one way or another and therefore it can be used for in a good way and in a less good way. There's this expression that I like to repeat often because I think that it's very interesting and very true for me. Yoga is a medicine taken the right way it can heal you. Taking the wrong way, it can kill you. And this is very much the way anything, really, right? With food in general, food is medicine, Ayurveda has always said. And yes, food is medicine taken the right way, it can heal you. Taken the wrong way, it can kill you. Just like another saying from the Ayurvedic um, doctors, which is, when diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. When diet is correct, medicine is of no need. As for many other situations, I am so grateful that you have chosen to give me some time of your day to listen to this episode. Now, this is all done on my free time. There's no money involved in this podcast. So if you would like to support me somehow, I would love for that to happen. And you could do that by simply rating and reviewing. So what that means is that if you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can simply give me five stars review and you can give me a commentary. Obviously, if you feel that it deserves it. Once again, thank you so much and enjoy the listening. I would say that... It all comes down to the underlying intention for why we do something. And very often when we take on a new habit, it's because we are convinced that it's going to improve ourselves, improve our situation, improve our life. If that new habit is something that is somewhat extreme and when I say extreme what I mean by that is that we cannot actually maintain naturally organically but we need to compensate in one way or another to do it then that underlying intention of wanting to improve equals the belief that being just naturally who we are is not enough. It's not enough for that improvement. It is not enough for us to feel well, feel free. What do we mean by that ultimately? To be included, to feel that we are not just surviving but actually thriving, so therefore feeling love, belonging, connection, which is ultimately 
our deepest desire since it is our way to survive. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Mm-hmm.